Hey guys, let's talk about Israel and Palestine. <laughs> I know everyone loves this conflict. It is like the default main geopolitical conflict that anyone probably thinks of. It's definitely not the only one, but it's the one that people feel really passionate about for some reason. Um, and I want to kind of explore why that might be and give you my take here. Um, so I don't know how to best go into this. You know, I definitely didn't want to write an essay on this. It's very heavy, obviously, and murky. And I kind of do want to just kind of straddle the line here and be a centrist. But I will just declare straight away that I am pro-Israel. And I'm comfortable being pro-Israel. I haven't always been. Just five or ten years ago, living in New York, um, I was definitely more pro-Palestine. And that is like the more popular, trendy opinion in my circles, like media circles and youth-oriented uh, culture. I think there's just this natural inclination to favor the underdog or what looks like the victim. So a lot of people are anti-Israel and a lot of Israelis and Zionists and pro-Israel people take that as a sign of anti-Semitism. Uh, I think that's probably too, uh, too grandiose and a bit unfair to say that, but I know what they mean. So there's a lot to pick apart here. And my whole goal here is to really dissect how we think about this and the media that we take in on this topic, even on Wikipedia that I was just looking at, things can become so slanted and biased just how they're worded. And it's really unclear to investigate this topic with any sort of objectivity because it is so, it's very difficult. <laughs> so let's just get into it. Um, I think first and foremost, an opinion that I'll take apart is that Israel is invading Palestine and has like taken it over, taken over this land from Palestine. Um, there is some truth to that right now, but historically I don't buy this premise exactly. Um, we have to think about history here and it's like, whose land is this really, right? And like, what kind of solution would be best? And I think that most of us coming at this topic think that way, right? We just want peace. I mean, everyone wants peace, supposedly. Um, and you just have to wonder why there isn't peace after so many years. Uh, it's really since the 1940s, since World War II ended, that this has been a major issue. But it really can go back to the 19, like 19-teens, when World War I ended. So... I am not an expert here, uh, and some of what I say um, might be debatable. So feel free to point those out. Um, but I'm going to speak from what I think of at best as an objective point of view. So in the 1800s and beyond, before that, we had the Ottoman Empire ruling over the Levant. The Levant is this part of land in that uh, Israel and Palestine are located in. It's that kind of Eastern Mediterranean part of land that also includes Syria and Lebanon. 
And this is called the Levant. And if, if it was up to me, like as a traveler, I just think of that as the region. You know, it's not that big, but it has a lot of different kinds of people there. Primarily Arabs and Israelis. Um, but Arabs do come in different uh, sub-ethnicities like Palestinians or Syrians, but essentially they're Arab. They all speak Arabic and they're predominantly Muslim. So forgive me if I'm like grouping Arabs together too much, but in general, that's kind of how it is. Also, Egyptians are Arabic. Those uh, Egypt borders the Levant to the southwest, obviously, at the tip of Africa. Um, so these are the groups of people we're dealing with. Now, the Ottomans are Turks. The Ottoman Empire um, lasted for hundreds of years, and it kind of had dominion over this whole thing. And so kind of like with any empire, like the USSR or the US currently or China, um, you have like different ethnic groups within it, but there's not this kind of fight for nationalism or sovereignty because the empire kind of just kind of makes sure that it's not like that you know like um empires have a kind of divide and conquer attitude you know like you're not your own thing you're part of our empire and therefore like your sovereignty is not relevant that's what empire is it takes over the sovereignty of any nation any group of people so prior to the ottoman empire there probably was a place called palestine but that was very long ago. That was very long ago. Um, I'll look up uh, when the Ottoman Empire started um, just to like kind of get our bearings. Um, yeah, uh, 1600s, um, oh, 14th century, 14th century to the 20th. So that's 600 years that this thing existed and there was no Palestine, okay? Um, now, after the Ottomans lost World War I, they were allied with the Germans and the Austrians. So they lost that war, and the Ottoman Empire was dissolved, and the state of Turkey emerged, first small and now kind of bigger, taking over a lot of other things. Um, and the British and the French won that war, and they kind of took over all that land. And so there was kind of this um, proto-state of Palestine, but it was never fully recognized as a real thing. And then World War II happened. And if you recall in that war, there was a genocide against the Jews and that was a big deal, you know? And so there became this movement of Zionism where basically Jewish people of Jewish heritage or Jewish blood, you know, Judaism is a strange thing. It's like a religion, but it's also an ethnicity. So it gets very confusing. But essentially, people that really identified as Jewish wanted a homeland, wanted a place to call their state. That's what Zionism is. It's to recognize a state for the Jewish people. And it prevailed. Um, it made a lot of sense for it to prevail, given all the anti... Uh, I always forget this word because it's not related to the word Jewish or Israeli. Um, Anti-Semitic. And Semites are actually, that also includes Arabs, if I recall correctly. So that's kind of a funny phrase. Um, there was a lot of anti-Semitism in Europe, right? So uh, Jews obviously felt threatened. Germany wasn't the only country that had an anti-Jewish sentiment. And the UN basically agreed to give 
Jews a homeland? And the question was where to put it. And there was talks of putting it in Europe, like where this conflict was going on, like between Germany and Poland, which honestly would have made sense to me. Um, you know, a lot of... Um, uh, I'm trying to name the exact type of Jew um, here. Um, I'm not going to name it, not Sephardic, but the more predominant European one. Um, there was a lot of Jew, there were a lot of Jews living in Europe, but instead, um, Jews wanted their Holy Land as their, as their national home, which is in the Levant. This is like where Christianity and, uh, Islam developed was right there. Right. So, um, you know, uh, the Jewish identity or religion is so old that it's hard to say where that came from. But of course, we've heard from Bible stories how like they trekked through Egypt toward the Holy Land. So, you know, it's like probably one of these like all people from African descent kind of stories. It's a very old religion. Um, basically, they were given this strip of land in the Levant called Israel. Now, this was not displacing a state called Palestine because there was no state called Palestine. There were other states developing, like Syria and Transjordan. Um, Egypt was always there, basically, um, as the border. Uh, but essentially, there was no Palestine. Um, there was a proposed state of Palestine at this same time, uh, like I said, after World War I. But a big reason, I think this is very relevant to understand, a big reason that a state of Palestine was never uh, like fully created and to this day is not actually created and recognized by the UN and all states in the UN is that Palestinians refused to share this part of land with Jews. And their proposal, their proposal was to make a whole place called Palestine that included Israelis, which would make Israelis a minority. And let's be honest, it would threaten, again, the existence of Jews, because I don't know if this is news to anybody. Many Arabs are anti-Jewish. And not just like kind of anti-Jewish, like very anti-Jewish. So this is the problem. And it makes you wonder why Zionists wanted their homeland in this neighborhood of Arabs. I mean, it's a kind of ballsy, brazen, crazy thing to like put your homeland in the most dangerous neighborhood to you. There's also been these moments of like um, pan-Arabic nationalism to like create an Arab state out of the Arab world, which kind of makes sense to me. I'm kind of like a a national re regionalist. So I kind of believe just like in Europe, people should have their states. I kind of support nation states. Um, they're kind of the exact opposite of empires. So that's aside. Essentially, we have this conflict in the 40s of a state of Israel being put by the UN, which was largely controlled by the powers that won World War II. That's England, France, Russia, um, the USSR at the time, um, and then also China and the USA. And yeah, basically Israel was created 
And the point I also want to say here is that Israel has basically thrived since its creation. I've been to Israel. Tel Aviv is a really vibrant, interesting, cool city. Israel is highly developed. Um, it kind of leads the world in a lot of categories like science and, and education and quality of life and, um, you know, human rights has a good record on in general. Um, obviously, there are some exceptions there that we can get into regarding Palestinians. But essentially, Israel is a kind of beacon of what most of us, like you and I, would want in a country. It's a safe place to go. It supports women's rights and gay rights. It's very modern. And it's also like super interesting, good food, uh, unique culture. Um, it's interesting, you know. I suppose my major gripes are it does have a very strong defense or military presence for very obvious reasons that we'll get into. And it's a religious state. The whole point of it is to recognize Jewishness as a thing that deserves to exist in the world, and the state is there to do that. Now, that first part is fair enough. Like, people deserve a place in the world, just generally speaking. And if you want to, like, break those people into a religion, you know, we've done it forever. I, I really feel proud as an American that the USA didn't do that, and that religion is, like, totally irrelevant to the state. But I kind of get it when states want to do that or have a national religion or something. But I'm not that big of a fan, frankly. Like, I don't think that religious states are cool. But as far as religious states go, it's hard to argue that Israel isn't the best one in terms of, like, all the other things we might care about, specifically human rights, technological development, democracy, etc. Okay, so Israel has basically thrived since the 1940s, and it was also hated straight away. So just when uh, Palestine had a chance to be its own country with a divided border that they got one part of, they said no and instead waged war against Israel. They wanted to kill everyone in Israel. And they lost very handily. And there have been a lot of wars since, um, you know, the Six Days War is one of them, but there's like been various conflicts, skirmishes, and just outright wars since then that Israel has always won. So somehow Israel has always had might on its side, even though, you know, look, so this is where it gets tricky. Is Israel, is Israel the minority or is it a majority? Like if you're looking at just Israel and Palestine, it's the majority. It has the majority of the land at this point, though that wasn't always the case, so it's slowly gained in land. Um, and it has more international support. And yeah, it looks like the Palestinians are the minority. But if you consider Palestinians Arabs and all their neighbors Arabs and how all of their neighbors feel very similar toward Israel, which is that they don't want it to be there, Israel is definitely the minority. There are far more Arabs than there are Jews in the region, generally speaking. So it's very tricky to think about like identity politics here in terms of like victimhood and oppressor because it's just not necessarily the case that Israel is the oppressor. Israel would be annihilated if it was up to its neighbors. 
And as a result, it has an excessively militarized attitude to protect itself. Now, is it the aggressor? Does it start wars? Does it fire first? In general, no. In general, Israel, my sense of it, having been there and talked to a lot of people on both sides of this topic, is that Israel is essentially defending itself. And I basically support the statement that Israel has a right to defend itself. Now, what does that ignore when we say that? So maybe shooting a missile preemptively doesn't look like a right to defend itself. But then you're getting into the tactics of war, which essentially this is still. Um, you know, like, even if you're playing defense, um, you might want to, like, preemptively take out one uh, military base or something. Now, I don't want to talk any more about this because it's out of my depth, and I would be happy to concede that Israel has been aggressive or overly aggressive. Like, that's no problem to me to admit if it's been the case. I also should say now that, like, I don't exactly support the current Israeli regime of Netanyahu. I think he is essentially too conservative, too religious, too far right, and I don't like his game plan. Um, and we'll get into more of that in a bit. But essentially, my major point is that Israel is a flourishing place that has a right to exist. Now, having said that, I, I wish it wasn't put where it is, but it is where it is. It's done. You know, we're not going to move Tel Aviv. It's like a formed city. And my opinion about cities is that they are real things. They're more real than almost anything. And I love them. And you don't just annihilate a city. Um, or at least one shouldn't. So the city of Tel Aviv and the city of Jerusalem and among others, they they should be there. And they're occupied and run by Israelis. And I think this sits very badly with a lot of people. Um, a lot of leftists who have been educated like me at places like UC Berkeley or anywhere. We have this fundamental uh, self-hate against colonialism and uh, imperialism. So when we look at something like New York City, uh, we, we invest a lot of energy into this kind of mythology that uh, Europeans stole this land from the Native Americans living there at the time. And there's some truth to that, of course. Um, you know, the, the island of Manhattan was traded with the Mohawk Indians. I think it was them. It might have been a different Indian group for like, you know, some jewelry, basically. And now it's New York City. It was first run as New Amsterdam by the Dutch, and then the British took it over. And that's interesting history, and it's fair enough to criticize European colonialism, absolutely. And it's obviously easy to sympathize with the Amerindian peoples that were living in the New World at the time, because their whole attitude was like, well, we belong to the land. The, the land doesn't belong to anybody. The land is vast, and, uh, you know, it, it offers life to anyone that's on it, and we're on it. And if you're also here, you may also be on it and partake in the, the nature's bounty, you know? So that's like a really cool, pretty hippie, 
uh, attitude that I've always appreciated a lot. And it's kind of crazy that Europeans came over and said, yeah, but we have this thing called law and paper and we take signatures really seriously. And once you like sign this, like we're allowed to like use our military now to like uphold it, you know, like this is really crazy. This is like mind games. This is like sorcery. You know what I mean? So that's what happened. And it's pretty despicable, I would say. But nonetheless, New York City exists. It's done. Like, it is a wonder of man- humankind at this point. Like, it's not, ge- it's not going back to the tribes that once occupied it. That's done. So we have to accept things at some point. You know, like, another trickier one for me is the city of Istanbul, which used to be uh, Constantinople when the Romans and the Greeks ran it in their empires. Um, You know, like, this was obviously an enormously important trade city throughout history, and the Ottomans took it over. The Ottomans came in from Central and Western uh, Asia and ransacked and warred with um, you know, all those guys of, uh, whatever period of Roman, Holy Roman history, not the Holy Roman Empire, but the Byzant- the Byzantium Empire, or Byzantine Empire. Basically, um, the European empires lost to the Ottomans, who just took it over in the 14th century, and have basically held it, you know, henceforth, and renamed it Istanbul. It was already a city. It was a very, it was like the biggest city in the world. And it was, like, predominantly Greek, but it was very cosmopolitan and diverse. And now it's part of Turkey. And that sits oddly with me, given my personal uh, opinions and histories um, with Turkey. My father's ancestry is Armenian. There was a genocide against the Armenians by the Ottoman Empire that Turkey denies to this day. So, like, this is messy. But, like... At some point, I will. I've been to Istanbul. It's a very interesting, vibrant, cool city too, or at least parts of it. And it is what it is, right? I mean, it's not Constantinople anymore. It's hard to imagine going back to that, even if like this territory was taken again through war or treaty. It's hard to imagine that ever going back to Constantinople. So similarly, like this is my case for Tel Aviv. Like it is a major world city in Israel. It's not going to not be Israel unless an act of war that we don't really see anymore these days on this scale takes it over. And that is the intention of Palestinians. Is it the intention of all Palestinians? No, of course not. Are some Palestinians happy to live in Israel? Yes. Are some Palestinians happy for a two-state solution in which they share land with Israel? Yes. But specifically, the organization known as Hamas, which is essentially a terrorist organization, maybe that's too strongly put, but it is a radical, militant, political identity that runs the Gaza Strip. So the Gaza Strip is one of two Palestinian territories. It's a very small piece of land. It's very dense. It borders Egypt, and it borders the Mediterranean Sea, and it's essentially locked from trade and everything by Egypt and Israel. Egypt is an ally of Israel at this point, um, having also lost a war and been, being, been given land, etc. Um, so 
radical fundamentalists run the strip called Gaza Strip. Now, Gaza Strip attacks Israel regularly, all the time. The knock by leftists and pro-Palestinian people is like, they just use rocks, you know, like, how can rocks hurt you, you know what I mean? Or like, they're just fighting for their livelihoods. Now, those things aren't wrong per se, but obviously they use more than rocks. Like, they're shooting rockets into Israel, and they're shooting indiscriminately and intentionally at major cities, at everybody. This is not like a military attack um, against very strategic military bases. This is like... If they could, they would just aim missiles at Tel Aviv and blow it up. And Israelis know this, and they have developed their like missile defense system to basically intercept this kind of weaponry from Hamas before it hits civilians. So a lot of the rockets and like explosions you see in the sky around Israel are like Israeli rockets, defense rockets blowing up Hamas shot rockets at Israel. Okay, so it's hard to, like, deny that Palestinians are actively attacking Israel. It's hard to deny that. It's, like, very evident. But in, when you pay attention to the news and media, it's very rarely presented that way. Now, this is very strange, because it's, like, on one hand, this pro-Palestinian uh political position is very strong it's huge like all cool people essentially are pro-palestinian it's like not cool to be pro-israel it's not cool it's like considered like right wing for some reason it's considered like um you know you're like just supporting colonialism you're just supporting you know the higher uh you know the bigger power or something so it's much cooler to like support a like a child in the Gaza Strip who is obviously like lesser quality of life, probably hung very hungry, probably very poor, than it is to support like Tel Aviv citizens who are like partying and like having gay pride parades and like you know higher education and whatever. Um, we have a self-hatred in the West. Like, we are guilty. You know, we feel guilt. It's like a white guilt thing. And somehow, like, we just don't want to admit that Israel is a more like a more <laughs> relatable place to be. I don't feel like New Yorkers understand this. Um, there are adventurous people, obviously, that would prefer visiting somewhere like the Gaza Strip or at least the West Bank, which I haven't talked about yet. But in general, like, if you're listening to a podcast right now, you would be happier in Israel, for sure. Um, now, that doesn't mean everything, right? Obviously, that's just one aspect of, like, surveying this situation. But it's a big one to me. Like, where could I where, where could I live and flourish? Well, definitely in Tel Aviv, not in... Uh, um, what's the capital of Palestine, the default capital? Raman? Raman? Ramalia? Uh... I'm embarrassing myself. Um, whatever it is, uh, you know, they also kind of consider um, Jerusalem their capital, but it's kind of not exactly the, the way it is. Anyways, let's talk about the West Bank. So, again, Palestine is kind of divided in two. There's the little bit to the left called the Gaza Strip, and then there's, like, this big chunk to the right on a map. And oddly, it's called the West Bank because it's on the West Bank of the Dead Sea. 
and uh, even though it's like on the east of this conflict. Now, the West Bank is not as radical as Hamas-led Gaza Strip. It's much more sympathetic, and I actually am far more sympathetic because it is the one where Israeli settlements are encroaching and Palestinians are losing their land as we speak to things called settlements by the Israelis who are basically going in and saying, you know what, we know that this is kind of like your land, but we're taking it now. We're going to like take over this apartment building or this house and we're going to get more armed guards to like protect us so that you don't kill us because obviously um, not only are we like annoying neighbors for thinking differently than you um we're taking over this land it's like <laughs> gentrification times a hundred you know what i mean so uh yeah it's not very cool and i don't support what israel is doing on this very direct way it's like it's basically a um it's an act of war you know it's like an act of um it's like a, a crime it's a it's an international crime what israel is doing but people aren't really paying attention to that. Like, the international community is kind of looking in the other way. Why? Well, because Israel is a very functional, prosperous place, and Palestine isn't. It's kind of a... It's not even like, well, might makes right. They're just taking it from you. It's more like, look, guys, do you want this land? Because if you want it, we'll sign it to you right now. And that's been offered six times in the past 70 years. And Palestine has always said no. I don't think people fully understand this. A two-state solution is like this common phrase that people bring up. And it has always been shot down by Palestine and pro-Palestinian supporters because they don't want a two-state solution. Or in general, like the governments that represent Palestinians have never agreed to a two-state solution. Their angle is that they want a one-state solution and that that one state should be Palestine. So it's Palestinians that have been the kind of stubborn, we don't share side of this. So Israel has continually said, here, do you want this part of the land? No, okay, we're just gonna keep living then. Here, do you want this part of the land? No, okay, we're just gonna keep living then. And Palestinians in general have said, fuck you, you shouldn't be here. Get out of Arab country. Uh, we're not gonna sign anything in which you get to stay. Even if it gives us a state, an official state of Palestine, we're not going to sign anything if you get to stay here. Now, that's just fundamentally fucked up to me. And that's why I support Israel, is because Palestine is the asshole here. Palestine is the country or the people that say, fuck off, we're not signing a peace treaty, we're not taking a two-state solution, we don't want a state of Palestine if it means that a state of Israel exists. That's really hard-lined, and it's really hard for me to sympathize with it. And I have some sympathies. I have some sympathies. Like I said, Israel is a is a is a Jewish state. It's a religious state, and I don't really like that. Palestine could be a secular state. Palestine could be a Lebanon in which Christians, Jews, and Muslims all live kind of together. Lebanon is kind of failing at the moment by the way um it was prosperous for a while but like it's not doing great there's just too much bad blood between religions which is so stupid but it's also ethnicities so we have like a fundamental problem of poor boundaries 
and map drawing. Now this comes down again to colonialism. Again, the UN, specifically Britain and France, who had dominion over this land, drew up these borders the way they are now, and they drew them very badly. And oftentimes they did that on purpose. So the state of Iraq, as an example, as an easy example, it has uh, Shia Muslims to the east near Iran. It has uh, Sunni Muslims to the west and the south similar to Saudi Arabia and Syria. And it has Kurds to the north. Uh, Kurds are a people group, distinctive, um, and they don't have a country. So like that to me is a way bigger problem to me than like Palestine not having a country. Uh, Kurds are by and large Muslim, but they're not Arabs, they're Kurds. So this is a little tricky, but we're not here to talk about that. It was problematic, to say the least, to put the state of Israel in the Levant, but it had its historical reasons to do it. It was technically possible. All the Arabs had to do was like cede a little bit of land to Jews, and they to this day refuse to do that. And I think that is the bigger crime. Israel is not trying to take over the world. Okay, it's not. Now... <laughs> Having said that, uh, well, I don't want to give too much. I don't want to give any credence to like conspiracy theorists and the quite uh, anti-Semitic talk by white nationalists and anybody that's like very skeptical of the Rothschilds and you know banking. And there, you know, there is a case to be made that Jews, for sure, globally have a disproportionate amount of influence and power. That's, like, kind of not up for debate. But to, like, read into that something sinister or to say, like, this is a threat to humanity because of that, like, I'm not going to entertain that at all. So the state of Israel, it is expanding through settlements into Palestinian territory. It is doing that, and I think that's wrong. But it is not trying to expand beyond the borders in question. It's not trying to expand beyond the West Bank or the Gaza Strip. And frankly, it's not trying to expand into the Gaza Strip at all. But it is actively expanding into the West Bank. But an Arab League, uh, the, Islam, the Muslim world, is actively expanding and has been actively expanding ever since its inception of, in 700. Muhammad, the prophet, has declared it so in the Quran and Hadiths to specifically practice jihad and creep ever more into the whole world. That's how you have a country like Indonesia, way far over in Southeast Asia, being the biggest Islamic country in the world. That's how you get there. Now, I don't know if you guys are paying attention to like world religions, but um, Christianity definitely is huge and it's grown exponentially ever since its conception. Um, so yeah, that's also a thing. But now second is uh, Islam, which has, con to this day, continues to grow more and more, especially if you pay attention to the continent of Africa. Um, Arab influence, first of all, Arabs have taken over Northern Africa. Uh, everyone in Northern Africa basically identifies as Arab. And you can follow, um, fights and wars anywhere uh sudan 
Nigeria, Niger, um, everywhere you want to look, Somalia for sure. Like basically where the desert encroaches into the rainforest, that kind of Sahel region is uh, a battleground of Muslim versus Christian, essentially, and animist and other native religions. So there is this thing called jihad. Now it's a it's a kind of hot button, dangerous word because people do overuse it, and it is like kind of alarmist, but it's real, okay? Like ISIS, you know, like terrorist groups for sure. Like obviously they give it the worst look, but that is what it is. Jihad is a worldview to take over the world so that it lives under Islam, which is a totalitarian religion. It's like cultural, it's religious, and it's political. And the goal of jihadists is for everybody in the world to be Muslim. Now, Judaism is probably the exact opposite of that. It's like a very uh, um, introverted or like elitist religion. Like you have to try really hard to become Jewish. Um, and if you are born Jewish, like you don't have to identify with it and you can be an atheist Jew and no one's bothered by it. And there's just so many, like, it's like exactly opposite in terms of like outreach and growth. Okay. So yeah, like Jews believe that they're the chosen people and it's just them. And like, they're not trying to like spread. So Israel is not trying to spread except if you want to talk about the West bank, which I'm conceding for sure. Israel is trying to like occupy the Holy Land. It's sharing the Holy Land with Palestinians and Muslims because it's their Holy Land too. These are all the Abrahamic religions, which are, let's be honest, an absolute mess. Um, totally problematic and stupid, frankly, in my opinion. But nonetheless, Arabs are the ones trying to A, destroy Israel, and B, take over the world depending on like who you're think who you're talking about exactly and how you're talking about doing it. So that's why I side with Israel. Like they're trying to just like exist and flourish. And the Arabs around them are trying to kill them and take over the world. Now that's putting it a bit broadly and maybe that sounds Islamophobic to you and maybe it is. But I don't think it's too far off if you want to kind of generalize the world views of these religions. Okay. Now it makes me really upset when I see the propaganda on Instagram and anywhere else. That's like, there is no real state called Israel. It's totally made up by the British empire. It doesn't deserve to be here. This is Arab land. Like that's propaganda. Okay. That is, um, trying to explain to you who might not know anything about this, what to think and why you should side with Palestine and hate Israel. And it makes a lot of sense to me that that stuff is kind of declared anti-Semitic because it is anti-Semitic. Like it's against Israelis and it's against Jews. And I just don't quite see the case for this land to be Palestine. If you want to make Tel Aviv and also Jerusalem just Palestinian cities, what you run the risk of is another Holocaust. That's what you run the risk of. Like if the state of Israel was dissolved, you would have a democratic, maybe, but let's, let's be honest, probably more like um, another religious totalitarian regime, if it was Hamas, absolutely, who wanted to kill Jews, or at least be very hostile toward them. It's not quite the same on the other foot. Jews in general, Israelis in general, 
accept and support Muslims and Arabs. They share the land with them. Now, I've heard this idea of it being an apartheid state where it's like the Jews have the most rights and then the Muslims have less rights. And I actually can't speak about that. Maybe it's true. I think it's probably true insofar as within the constitution of Israel, it is affirmed to be a Jewish state and no amount of de democracy, like if Arabs become the majority, no amount of democracy will change that. But it would happen if Israel was dissolved and the whole thing was Palestine. It would happen. Now, this again might sound a little too much like fear-mongering, but I have heard and seen a lot of Arabs, and especially Palestinians, say things like, the Holocaust didn't happen, but it should. Hitler was right. And then they'll go into like all the anti-Semitic stuff that you've seen, like in Inglorious Bastards, you know, like Jews are a rat race or whatever, like all this kind of vile shit. This is said, okay? Now, I'm not saying that the majority of Arabs or Palestinians say that, but it is a thing, okay? There's a lot of hatred against Jewish people around the Levant and in the Arab world. Now, again, I will just reiterate my point. I don't know why the hell Zionists wanted to live in this neighborhood. I mean, it's an insane thing to do. But they've made it work quite miraculously. They've won every war. They've kept all of the violence at bay away from them. You know, they've suffered very little in terms of, um, you know, victims from like war death and stuff. And they've prospered. They've absolutely prospered. You know, just very recently, they were by far, by like, they were far, <laughs> they were easily the fastest country to fully vaccinate everybody. Now, let's put our opinions of vaccination aside. Like, that's impressive. That's impressive. Like, no country comes close to doing that. Um, and having been there, it's very impressive to see how well it's run. And even in the ways of it being run, you know, in ways that I don't really like, like in terms of military and defense and stuff, like, let me tell a little story. So I'm part Armenian and part Korean. I look very... Uh, I don't know, um, other, like I can be anything. I can be any race. Um, if I go to South America, I can blend in there. If I go to a Southeast Asia, I can blend in there. If I go to the Middle East, I can blend in there. And in Europe and the U S I can blend in there and no one really knows what I am. So like, if I go to a, an airport, like in Tel Aviv, it's unclear who I am or what my interests are or whatever. And it made a lot of sense to me, if I'm honest, that, the uh, Israeli armed forces took me aside and like basically escorted me to my own private TSA security line. This wasn't a secret room. This wasn't uh, by handcuff. This was actually very polite. It was a little formal, but it was like totally fine. It was like, it was actually great because it was a long line of security. And I always hate those lines at airports. And they like pulled me out of the line and brought me to a a place with no line <laughs> so it was like kind of like rad for me because i basically like went way faster than i would have and i was just like myself like hey sure yeah what do you guys need yeah sure open that da, da, da. answered questions like oh yeah i'm traveling i just came back from southern africa i'm going back to berlin da, da, da. and it was cool actually like now the people doing this 
I respected them more than I do like American TSA agents. Like they seemed to know what they were doing. They like were going by the book, whatever that book was for them. They were following protocol. They were scrutinizing my behavior for whatever signs, you know, like fair enough. Like you're surrounded by people that want to kill you. You're surrounded by people that really would come in suicide bomb this whole airport. And their level of security around that is really good. I don't know why I have to praise that, but it stood out to me as an, a human experience that I had, and I, I wanted to share that. Um, I was treated well. Was I treated with some suspicion? Maybe, yes. Do I care about that? No. Like, whatever. You know, like, they have a right to be suspicious. And all the Israelis that I talked to in my, you know, week of being in Israel, they all made sense. You know, like... They all felt like, yeah, yeah, the media makes us a bad guy. It's pretty annoying. Like, I don't know why, like, the U.S. and Europe, but especially the U.S., are, like, always framing this like we're so bad, you know? Like, we have, like, they have a public image problem. They have a PR problem, let's be honest. But they don't do anything about it. They don't, like, literally try and be like, all right, fuck you guys. We're just going to annihilate Palestine. Case closed. This is the end of that. You know, like, most people in history do that and right now people are doing that you know the uh the uyghurs in china are being uh genocided as we speak i believe you know uh the uh the group in uh myanmar or burma was being like um ethnically cleansed into uh into bangladesh you know like the the arabic population or rather the muslim population basically <laughs> What should I say about this? This is really a hot take, and I, I, I know this is risky to say, but you know what? Instead of saying what I want to say, let me refer you to a film by Martin Scorsese called Silence, in which um, two Portuguese missionaries, Christian missionaries, go to Japan to convert Japanese people to Christianity. And they're met by an emperor who treats them as an enemy and is, you know, hostile toward them to varying degrees. And it's a very interesting movie because you think, like, you're watching, like, Andrew Garfield and um, uh, the other guy who people say I look like. Um, you're watching these guys, Adam Driver, they're like the protagonists. They're movie stars, and they're they're playing these Portuguese Christians. So like that's how we were watching the movie. And so you see the like the Japanese emperor as the bad guy. Like why is he not letting them just preach? You know why isn't he letting them just like practice their religion and convert people if they want to do that? You know. Well, because he doesn't want his nation turned Christian. That's why. And frankly, fair enough. You know, like that's fair. Like Korea was turned Christian. But Japan hasn't been. It's predominantly Buddhist, um, you know. And that's kind of cool from my point of view as a traveler who, like, respects history and people groups. Like, I'm glad that Japan is not Christian. But the reason they're not Christian is because they made a strong effort to keep Christianity out. Okay? Now, I don't know if you can read between the lines, but, like, I, I respect that. So... There are these atrocities happening, but by and large, the media is ignoring them. And 
I think it's fundamentally because we all kind of understand that. Like, why would China want to become Muslim? You know? Why would Myanmar want to become Muslim? Now, that is really tricky. It's a really dangerous topic to think about because, like, what does it mean to prevent that? What does it look like? Is there much violence or death involved, right? I mean, it's tricky. But again, there is this thing in Islam called jihad, and it really is the active, uh, <laughs> the active takeover of the world or any any region by the belief in Muhammad. That's what it is. Now that can be done peacefully, probably, possibly. I don't know. But it's often not done peacefully. I don't know if you guys study history, but there's been a lot of violence. And this is still the goal of a lot of groups of people, specifically in the Middle East. Russia is also kind of like that still. But even when it kind of takes over places like Crimea, it's not really shedding a lot of blood when it does it, you know? Now, that's a separate topic. I don't want to get into that. But my point is that you know, why aren't we talking about Yemen? Why aren't we worried about the Yemeni people suffering by the hands of Saudis? Why don't we ever talk about that? You know what I mean? Like, why aren't we talking about Nigeria and the amount of people that are dying there? Why aren't we, why don't we talk about South Sudan versus Sudan? You know, like, if we are so, like, even Rwanda, you know, and the Hutus and Tutsis, like, why don't we actually give a lot of uh, attention to these kind of crises, why aren't we talking about Cyprus and how like the state of Turkey is like actively trying to take over the island of Cyprus and still has half of its half of that island space occupied with like a UN military protection line down the middle. Why are we accepting that? You know what I mean? Like if you want to talk about people groups being antagonized, like why aren't we talking about Armenia and Azerbaijan, you know? We only talk about Israel and Palestine, or at least we mostly talk about that. And it's weird to me. And people's, I don't blame people's knee-jerk opinion that aggression is wrong and that snuffing out a minority is wrong and that people deserve space and Palestinians seem like they deserve their space. Like, all that makes sense. But when you look into it, it just doesn't hold up. Palestinians have been offered space time and again. They don't want to share it with Israelis. They don't want Israelis as neighbors, period. Armenians don't feel that way about Azeris. It's not like Armenians want to destroy Azerbaijan or even Turkey. Some might want to destroy Turkey. They just want the places occupied by their people to be recognized as Armenia. That's what Armenians want. Azerbaijan wants as much land as possible and wants to take it from Armenia. No one talks about this, and they have the power. Azerbaijanis are Turkic people. They're basically Turks. Um, Turks have a lot of power and influence in this region. Armenia is doomed, from what I can tell. I mean, its biggest supporter is Russia. That's not a good sign, you know? It's a Christian ancient people group that seems doomed frankly, in terms of actually the, the nation of Armenia. The diaspora is fine. There's a lot of Armenians in, in LA, for instance. But like no one thinks about this. We only think about like, oh, poor Palestine. Guys, 
if you want to find like a victimized country, there are like 10 more that are way better as candidates than Palestine. Okay. Palestine is half ruled by a terrorist organization called Hamas. Palestine has actively rejected peace treaties for the last 70 years. Palestine, by and large, in public sentiment, hates Israel and Jews. Like, why are you supporting Palestine? What is the logic there? Additionally, Palestinians, again, are Arabs. There is an Arab country to the southwest called Egypt that you could live in. There is an Arab country to the south called Saudi Arabia that you could live in. There is an Arab country to the east called Iraq that you could live in. There are Arab countries to the north called Jordan, Jordan's to the east, uh, Jordan and Syria and Lebanon that you could live in. Like, there are so many places for Arabs where Islam is, na is nationally practiced and it's like absolutely acceptable and chill if you're Arab Muslim and they are everywhere. So what is this obsession with having a place called Palestine? Like if we're talking about people groups deserving a place, let's talk about Kurdistan. Let's talk about like the Burmese. Uh, I can't remember their name, but they, they're a group like they don't have a land. Um, let's talk about the Uyghurs. Let's talk about Tibet. Let's talk about like any other group. Like I, it's hard for me to accept that, if like we're having a conversation about this, when you are this adamant about being pro-Palestine, I don't know what you mean because you're not talking about Ar Armenia. You're not talking about Kurds. Maybe you are. I mean, look, it depends, right? But it's just like so many people put this like pro-Palestine message on their, on their social media and it's just not consistent. And I don't think people really understand this issue enough to say stuff like that, you know? It is complicated, and it is a both-sides situation. Israel is obviously doing some things that are not cool, but the number one thing it's doing is trying to exist in peace. That's like the number one thing it's doing. So, and I just don't know if I could say the same thing for Palestine. Its whole, its whole goal is not to exist in peace. If that was the case, we would be done with this story. There would be a two-state solution by now that a lot of U.S. presidents has, have tried to help broker, and we're not there because groups like Hamas continually stop it. So if we want peace, we have to basically accept Israel as a legitimate place. Like, that is the way to peace. Because there's no reason that Israel should just lie over and die for Arabs to take back this land that they think is theirs. That It's just like, it's not going to happen, and it shouldn't happen. Israelis shouldn't just let themselves be genocided again. So that's my take. That's why I'm essentially pro-Israel in this conversation, but that doesn't mean that I'm supportive of everything Israel does. It just means that I think Israel has a right to exist, and it's the place that I sympathize more with, given my lifestyle and my beliefs in human rights, as an example. And I just don't support the point that Palestinians are arguing for, which is that Israel shouldn't exist, fundamentally speaking. All right, guys. I'll leave it there. Um, what do you think? Have I triggered you? Do you have, have I missed something? Is, are there more angles here that I should be considering? Um, do you think I haven't emphasized certain points enough? What's your main interest in this topic? Is it a colonialism thing? Is it a, a religion thing? Is it a, a human rights thing? Like, I'm very curious what you guys might think. So do reach out to me. I'm on 
Patreon at Key Thinking, and I would love your support. And I'm also on Clubhouse, um, but I'm not using it because I find it very awkward as a platform, but it would be great to have these kind of conversations there. Um, reach out to me however you like, and I'll leave it there. Until next time, ciao.